it's unknown. This CR Flounder Podcast. Wishing you nothing but. Peace and love, and welcome to the Art of Floundering podcast in episode 8 in our Countdown to Soon series, where between now and the 26th of September 2022, I am attempting to illustrate, quote, life, at least from my perspective, following a traumatic accident in 2016. The title of tonight's episode is Reality in the land of make-believe. But before I get into that, I would like to address the only feedback I've had to date on this series. I received a message, basically was like, hey man, you sound really high during those podcast episodes. And my answer is, I am really high. Because I'm sitting in a chair and I use the devil's lettuce, so to speak, to treat pain. And it's painful sometimes to do these episodes. So I load up a little bit extra on my medicinal, so to speak. And I, you know, get borderline hallucinogenic with my high and we do this anyway. The other disclaimer that I have is that this particular episode is going to talk about some pretty dark subjects like depression, suicide, could be triggering. So I want to say up front, I do these improvisational, but I'm pretty sure these are some, these, I'm going to get into some dark subjects. I want to be up front in case that's not your thing. I want to talk about how I've navigated some of the negative vibes, so to speak, that I have experienced in this journey of that's after my spinal injury and all this pain and, you know, throughout this entire six years, almost seven, well, a little over six, it was August 2016. Interesting fun fact, my surgery on the 26th in 2022 will be exactly six years to the day of my uh, first back surgery. But back to this, I wanted to bring up some of the darker or negative stuff that has come up for me in this journey and how I've dealt with it. The definition of doubt doesn't mean it was healthy or unhealthy, good or bad, just how I did it. None of this is medical advice. None of this is life coaching. This is just one idiot's experience. The first subject I'd like to talk about is depression. Now, in my family, especially in the male side, alcoholism and depression happens. And both have touched me. I have a problem with the booze. I quit drinking many, many moons ago. Now, depression has come up throughout my life. And, you know, sometimes 
I've had to be medicated. But I've always looked at those kind of medications, and everybody's different. This is me. It's short-term get-over-the-hump, then work therapy, you know, kind of thing. That, that, nothing's right or wrong for me. But I believe there are some times we are bummed out. And, you know, we could split hairs on where bummed out intersects with depression. But there are times we can be really in the dumps. And that's a very normal reaction because things truly suck. For example, I'm 57. I'm no longer working. I'm no longer employable. I couldn't work if I wanted to. I haven't talked to my daughter in years. Getting worse with the pain. I'm becoming more and more difficult to be around. I'm unable to sit more than two hours a day. The rest of the time I lay in bed. That's my day. Every day. And that sucks. And so that really bums me out. If I spend a lot of time not only thinking about that, but how long I've been in this situation. That there's nothing in the future, which I was in that position before. I was like this with even no hope of surgery. Basically, in my mind, going like, okay, the doctors basically, in Oklahoma, the doctors basically told me this. Your pain is going to continue to get worse, along with the debilitation that it causes you. And it's already at an unlivable level. And there's nothing we can do. So that's a pretty fucked up diagnosis to take because it's like being tortured. Torture becomes worse and worse every day. And you got to force a positive attitude or at least a fighting attitude when every day is going to suck worse than the previous day with no end in sight. If one takes time to really assess that, that truly sucks. Being bummed out is not an unnatural reaction. And I am depressed. When I have this surgery and when I recover, I will have to deal with a lot of mental issues that have intensified from this experience. Right now, I tell myself I'm in survival mode. I'm just trying to get through the day. There's nothing but bad tools in my toolbox. So I'm using the shittiest option with the least amount of blowback because all of them are going to have some form of blowback. How I deal with my reality and the depression that it will derive and the potential. If I spend too much time dwelling on my reality, the outcomes will not be peachy keen. When the doctors gave me that prognosis in Oklahoma, I knew it was bad. But my survival instinct, and, and everybody, you know, but it kicked in in a weird way. My survival instinct was to disassociate. I was like, you know what, I'm going to smoke weed and create as much crazy kind of creativity I can until some miracle happens, some miracle cure with stem cells or some drug or something. Like I said, I got lucky, moved to Colorado, got the surgery, but even... Just because hope is on the horizon doesn't mean the current torture comes to an end. Tomorrow's going to suck worse than today. They, they were right. Every day's gotten worse. And that's reality. So, I can do a lot of dope, you know. There's a bunch of things I can do to try to escape this. 
disassociation is my my tool my theory is because of my inability to do anything physically i do a lot of crazy things in my head and try to process that insanity through quote art just outer stuff that doesn't make sense to anybody it makes total sense to me it's weird i i this uh, puppet show i can't do it anymore because of my back but one of the methods i used to disassociate was doing uh, this filthy puppet show I created a YouTube channel called Spanky's Experimental Puppet and Theater Company. All of those shows are filthy. They're immature. I'm in my 50s. I'm dealing with all this by creating a YouTube page and having puppets cuss and glorify the pot and act out sexy time and stuff like this. Yes, because to create those puppet shows, This is what I did. I, of course, got high, but I tried to go to a place in my head. And the only way I can pull this off was live streaming because that put me on the hook to follow through on this. If I wasn't on live stream, I would keep stopping. So I would hit the live stream and I'd go to this place in my head where I'm a kid and nobody's watching. And I just play with the puppets. The, the negative is it's just silly. I, I got a lot of, like, hate and, and, you know, from, like, my ex-wife said some stuff. It kind of hurt my fucking feelings, man. She called it my stupid puppet show. It really hurt my feelings. But like I said, I started this YouTube channel, Spanky's Experimental Puppet Theater Company. But then I started using the puppet show as a way to really learn a few things about like how to video edit, do animation, and a lot of really cool things that's enabled me to better express myself. There's been a lot of positive and an upside. I physically can't do Spanky's now. A lot of my methods of uh, playing guitar right now is a little bit painful, so I gotta play every day, but I gotta be careful. Um, so, but yes, disassociation is is primarily my go-to thing. It's it's a drug, and I'm fortunate in that we live in an age where there's some technology that I that you know I can still use that that can help me feel like I'm participating or I, I'm doing something in life I was talking with somebody about podcasting I would dig it if people really dug the kind of stuff I did especially when I go back to doing interviews but this has been therapy for me I I, I think I'm always going to try to do something and I hope it's going to be a lot better when I'm better but it's always going to be like not a job i want to be serious with it but this is a hobby for me i just want to do the things that are interesting to me and not not feel like i'm doing things because i'm trying to you know i spent too many years doing that so this is probably why i don't know why i got on that so anyway disassociation the other dark topic is suicide i will be 100 percent honest on this topic in the previous episodes, when I talked about a bit of a renaissance I had, and I was able to somehow, you know, participate a little bit in life because I was able to sit and, you know, walk about 10, 20 yards. So I went on a few dates. I started being able to go out and see live music, and it was great. 
and I was I was meeting and and getting to get to listen and learn from so many really cool people. Big shout out to the Blue Bonnet Bar in Norman, Oklahoma, hands down, the greatest. And I have so many rich memories from that time, and I gladly go back to that. So I love life, and. I have enough good memories that even happened after my accident where I love it. But I also recognize that we all have a breaking point, all of us. If you watch documentaries on, you know, prisoners of war, we're human. We all break. And I'm not a hero. I'm not a a pilot. I'm not a hero prisoner of war. I'm just a dipshit. So how tough am I? And how much of this? Am I going to be able to take before I ultimately break? It's not a depression thing. It's almost like, you know, when it's come through my head is I know if there's no end to this torture and it continues to get worse, there's going to be a point where I'm going to say, Uncle, I give. And it's with deep, deep sadness because I don't want to leave. I feel I have unfinished business or I don't know. As fucked up as I am right now. But I know eventually I'm not going to have that attitude. And where I'm at right now, you know, that's just the truth. Technology. If you look at how long it took humankind to fly the Wright brothers. And then compare that to how long it took us to land on the moon. And then these time spans of these technical innovations start compressing to where they're like now. To where we have these breakthroughs literally every day at least. It's very, it's called disruptive innovation. I know that because I already feel it. The rate of pain escalation, all the things, it just, they're intensifying and speeding up. It's humbling because there's so many people worse off than I can ever imagine that have been dealing with this for a lifetime, longer than I have, and are able to still gut it out. And I've only been just six years, but I'm here to tell you, it. I have, you know, had emotional breakdowns, you know, and I've, I've been through hard things in my life. But this thing has broken me in ways I didn't know were possible. I didn't know were possible. And I know, like, as I do this podcast, I would be joshing you if I would try to portray I'm in a good place mentally. I am not. I'm nervous about that. I got I got a snap. I got a surgery coming up. But right now, any time I process reality, I break down in tears. I'll get there. But this is a struggle. All of us are human. We all have our breaking points. How have I dealt with that reality? Well, in addition to disassociating, because, look, what I just said was heavy. I can't think about that often. I can't talk about that often. Just like I don't want anybody pitying me or looking at me and going, oh man, I feel so bad for you, because it's a reminder how fucked up it is, you know? Somebody, it's like, oh, they do notice. It's not like a thank you. It's like, fuck, you notice I'm pathetic too, man. I'm trying to, you know? That's how I take it. And that's what, I'm working on that. I'm very sensitive right now, because I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed at how this is, uh, this has aged me. I'm ashamed at how this has broken me. I'm a def- 
defeated person. I struggle to do things, and I don't want people to see me like this, you know, unless I could kind of be able to show off my best face, so to speak. That's a lot of baggage I got right now. That's a lot of baggage I got to work through. I got to disassociate right now knowing, knowing it's a shitty option because I'm just compounding this problem. However, I'm dealing with pain that's transcendent, dude. It's got me held hostage 24-7. And I'm trying to just not have that drive me totally bonkers right now. Between now and the 26th of September, which is 20 days from now, I don't think as much as I'm pro-therapy and, you know, psychiatry and, and meds for me at certain times in my life, at this time, it just, I, I can't process it. So this is where I'm at. Really dark. I had a woman on the podcast. It was one of my last attempts to do an interview. It was over Zoom. And she was a pain patient. Internally, I told myself, it's going to take me a while before I, because all the stories are so fucking sad. And her story was, she was so cool. But this thing, you know, and she had relocated to Florida. Because of, you know, they, they treat pain patients like criminals, man. And this, this poor woman couldn't get out of a fucking chair. She was in so much pain. She had like this $7,000 chair. The meds weren't going to feed her dope habit. They're going to let her sit in that chair a little bit longer and maybe have a shot at some semblance of quality of life. And her story illustrates the unpleasantness of this. I am difficult to be around. I'm difficult to deal with, even though I don't think I am. It's off-putting. My facial, my, I always look like I'm angry because of the, you know, the pain phase. So I'm not approachable. If I'm having a conversation and I'm trying to move from point A to point B, I may raise my voice or say something I shouldn't. These aren't excuses. I've gotten better at it, but I still do it. But just like these these other things that come up, the, the mental breakdowns that I've had, the emotional breakdowns, I don't hold myself to perfection. I've given myself the space to fuck up because I am a fuck up. I've always been a fuck up. And so why would I be expect myself to be perfect and go through this without making fucking really, really bad mistakes? I've made them all. But this woman on the podcast started talking about this subject called rational suicide. This was January of 21. I had just been medically retired and I was still delusional enough to think I would be able to hang on and figure out a place, but, but I was degrading and I was having a hard time coming to terms with that reality, but it was speeding up, so it would be a couple months and I realized <laughs> I had no choice, but at that time I was still a little delusional. And I remember thinking when she was talking about this rational suicide, I, I was like, man, I hope that's never going to be me. And if it is, it's, uh, it's not going to happen for a long, long time. And I'm here to tell you the, the absolute truth. And it breaks my heart. If I wasn't a candidate for surgery and still had to live with this, at this point, it would be on the table. Because I am tired of seeing me destroy people I care about, everything that it's potential to. And 
it drags you down, you know, wears out caretakers. I, I, I am already a load. So that's heavy shit. I can't live in that. It's broken me. I'm at the point where I can't take it. I just don't think about that. It's like I can't take any more pain, so I don't think it. I, I go somewhere else. I've got hope in the surgery coming up. So these were negative things. Let's talk about some positive things. Because there's been a lot of positive I've gotten. These creative outlets. Tell you a story. And I think I've mentioned this before. Guitar playing is very important to me now. I've got a connection with my, this guitar. It helped me through phase one of this journey. You know, when I had the bone infection. I thought I could never play guitar again. I uh, get a chance because, you know, I'll do these puppet shows and there needs to be background music. And I had these ideas of how to use local bands and stuff. And I'll talk about that on a different podcast. But so I would fuck around on guitar, you know, fuck around. And, you know, my accent, I can't sing. And what I mean is it hurts. So any song I do, this is my singing voice, you know. Roses are red, violets are, you know, to a point. But I somehow try, I don't make it work, I just do it. I just fuck it. I'll do little musicals with the puppets and little animations. But all this has really opened up this part of me that I put away all those years ago when I opened up door number two. The door to being a complete douchebag as I was pursuing, you know, the corporate carrot and the suburban dream. Prior to my accident, the last time I even played live musically, like 30 years ago. And never in my wild dreams would I have considered dabbling in something like playing live again. Yet, just in the past year and a half, I've done four open mics. That's no big deal to most people, but considering how difficult it is for me to get out, that's a pretty huge accomplishment. But, it's playing live. I know it's an open mic, but it's playing live. And I was able to do that in my advanced years. Additionally, before my surgery, I'm going to upload a couple of my songs to iTunes. Not because I want to make any bread, but I think it'd be really cool to say, yeah, man, I'm a musician, I'm a singer-songwriter, I'm a rock and roller, and I've got published music, you know, on iTunes. My album. Whether or not it's good or bad, I think that's pretty kind of epic, man. To say, yeah, this happened, and it just opened, you know, I'm just more, I'm fearless. Not... Not in a douchebag way. But I spent too many years inhibiting what I really think, what I, how I really want to live. I mean, we all need impulse control, don't get me wrong. But I spent so many years inhibiting who I was that this accident, with all the quality time that I've had with just me and my thoughts, reviewing all my past fuck-ups because the pain makes me feel like I'm being punished and I'm trying to atone for it all. And, uh, but it's forced me to, to not only acknowledge who I really am, but be who I really am. And that's the real bummer about this whole thing because the first time in my entire life I feel really at peace with who I am and I feel like 
I could be a positive member of society and have a pretty exciting life because I have such an appreciation for the things I overlook. But this pain and all this other shit is preventing me from reaping, quote, the benefits of going through all this. So I just think that's interesting. But yes, there's been a lot of positive growth. And whether or not this is healthy, I will never be thankful for the accident. There are some things that I lost that are not worth it. Any of the gains. I'm not talking about material. Having said that, it has forced me to become a better person who's still not a great person. Don't get me wrong. But at least I I don't hold myself to a standard of perfection. And I'm willing to look at my faults and hold myself accountable. And this experience has helped me get better in touch with those life skills that at one time I really had. I just feel like I have more personal integrity now as a human being to the world myself. And I'd, I'd really like to have a shot at life and see how it goes with a little bit of this wisdom I picked up while I was on sabbatical. At the same time, there is reality. Probabilities and outcome. Things can go either way when I have this surgery. I have to be mentally prepared either way. But I can't go into this surgery thinking about the negative outcomes. And I will tell you that when I get through this, I could somehow be lucky enough to be able to have the opportunity to help people that are in similar situations. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I will need a lot of help because I don't have much experience of doing decent things. All my past training and professional experience is being a shithead. And I don't want to go through all this only to go back to being a shithead. And as this entire experience has had its ebbs and flows and the yin and yang of it all, I find myself where I am at today. An honest assessment of where I am at today is the following. I'm miserable, but I'm going to make it. I'm a little upset with myself because... I have so much mental baggage that I still have not allowed myself to believe that this surgery will happen. That would be a lot of positive energy I could really use right now. However, if anything were to happen and I didn't have this surgery and they said, whoops, we can't do it, you're no longer a candidate, it would be almost impossible for me to mentally recover from that if I was mentally in a space of this is going to happen and I got a shot. So I still have hope, but I can't go too overboard. It's a little hard to explain. I'm also quite tired of ketamine treatments, which I'll talk about in the following episodes when I get into my pain management regimen. Ketamine works, don't get me wrong. But for me, it does a number to my head that requires me to sleep for a couple days. I'm in a fog for four or five days, and then I get zapped again. I'm sick of it. But if I don't do it, I can't take it. So 
it's just one of the things I gotta live with. I miss my friends. And even though um right here under the same roof with my family, I miss them because I'm unable to interact with them in a way I would like to right now. I'm unable to interact with anybody in the way I would like to right now. I know this. After a lifetime of ignoring everything around me, I am overwhelmed when I do the math of the number of people that have directly and indirectly and will directly and indirectly help me get better. It's truly humbling. And I am profoundly grateful and what I'm hanging on to is being able to get better so I can finally be in a space where I can properly express and demonstrate my gratitude. This concludes episode 8, Reality and the Land of Make-Believe in our Countdown to Soon series. I want to sincerely thank anyone who has given this a listen. I sincerely appreciate it. I hope some of it was helpful. With that said, from Parts Unknown, Colorado, this is the Art of Floundering Podcast. Wishing each and every one of you nothing but peace and love. This concludes another episode from the Art of Floundering podcast. We hope that you will like, follow, subscribe, and review. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, or wherever you download your super-duper peachy keen favorite podcast. On behalf of the Art of Floundering podcast... I want to wish each and every one of you nothing but peace and love.